Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Thanks, Tristan. Uh, you know, or many of you won't know, but bear with me. You know, if after 45 years you can still remember an advertising campaign, that it was pretty effective. So let's go on a trip down memory lane for this particular advertising campaign. You better watch your fries or they may disappear before your very eyes. McDonald's world famous fries taste so good they disappear faster than you can eat them. So watch out. Keep your eyes on your fries, they're too hard to resist. Keep your eyes on your fries because no fries taste like this at McDonald's. Keep your eyes on your fries. How good is that? That's like a blast from the 70s, if you're wondering. Uh, fantastic ad. At least back then, though, the fries were actually delivered hot and tasty. <laughs> and so you did need to keep an eye on your fries because people would take them. But as I reflected on this passage that Tristan read to us uh, tonight, that line came to mind. Why? <laughs> it's got nothing to do with fries or McDonald's. It's not about keeping your eyes on your fries, but it is about keeping your eyes on the prize. Paul has been showing us and goes on to show us how having our eyes on the prize endows us with power, gives us power, establishes our priorities and enables us to persevere as we run the race that we've been set out to run in Jesus. Have a look with me at verse 12 to 14. Verse 12 follows on naturally from that what we were looking at last week, if you were here with us. Paul's picking up on the idea that suffering is the pathway to experiencing the power of resurrection. Just as Jesus suffered and then rose, so that's the way of following Jesus. Suffering comes and then resurrection. And even though Paul, who's writing this letter, has suffered a lot, he presses on to know the power of Christ's resurrection, even if that means more and more suffering for him. He says he presses on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Now we're going to talk a bit about pressing on tonight and that idea, but before we get there, there's a beautiful phrase right at the end of verse 12 that we can easily miss in this conversation and passage that talks a lot about pressing on. Look at it. Look at the phrase. It says, Christ Jesus took hold of me. And if you know Paul's story, Christ Jesus absolutely took hold of him. Paul was the one who persecuted the church. In fact, Paul is the one who, when Jesus appeared to him, Jesus said to him, why are you persecuting me? 
But Christ Jesus met Paul and Christ Jesus powerfully transformed Paul. And so Paul has this amazing story in his past about how Jesus transformed his life. But for Paul, that isn't the end of the story. It wasn't just about becoming saved, entering into that relationship with Jesus. He doesn't rest on that and he doesn't have room for complacency in that. Rather, he presses on. But again, before we get to this idea of pressing on, I want you to stop and consider that if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus has taken hold of you. That's what Christ has done. The one who is of surpassing worth has seen you and taken hold of you. And so as you seek to take hold of the prize, you're endowed with power because Christ has already taken hold of you. I want you to meditate on that thought and perhaps to help it, I want to share a little story with you. 20 years ago, long time, eh? 20 years ago, I was teaching my daughter to ride a bike and we were on a path at Sussex Inlet, actually, and uh, we were riding along. It was a really flat path and she was struggling a little bit with balance, as kids do when they're learning to ride a bike. And so I just did what any parent would do and I just put my hand on the handlebars just to steady it. And she saw my hand there and that gave her confidence and we kept going along the path as she was learning to ride a bike. But what happened next just blew me away because in looking at my hand, she started muttering to herself. And as we were walking along like this, I could hear her muttering saying, Daddy's got me. Daddy's, I know it's cute, eh? Daddy's got me. Daddy's got me. And so all the time she's reminding herself that she can be stable and confident in learning to ride the bike because there's a hand stronger than hers that's going to make it okay. And here's the thing, if you haven't got the analogy yet, your heavenly daddy has got you. Here's something that perhaps we should meditate on as we think about life and as we think about uh, persevering, pressing on in the Christian life. Here's our power for perseverance. Say to yourself, remind yourself, particularly in suffering, which is the context Paul's writing in, Jesus has got me. Jesus has taken hold of me. Jesus has got me. And since Jesus has got me, since Jesus has taken hold of me, Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now just think for a moment about the baggage that Paul carried with him as a persecutor of the church. He had persecuted people who were now his brothers and sisters. He had broken families apart and he had broken the family of God apart, the family that he is now included into. But he lays it aside. He says he forgets it. And Paul isn't being irresponsible here. It's not that he uh, you know, thinks it didn't really matter or whatever. 
What Paul is showing us here is the power of the gospel. The transformation that happens in a life when Jesus takes hold of you. Think about how often your eyes drift to that which is behind you as you run the Christian race. That's the imagery here in Philippians 3 of running a race. What happens when uh, you look behind when you go running? Some of you do go running. What happens if you do that? A few things might happen. First, you're wasting your energy by looking behind. Secondly, you lose focus when you look behind. And third, you're potentially going to fall over, run into a tree or someone else. It's just not helpful to look behind. But in life there are so many things that distract us and often they are things from behind, things from our past that want to draw us back there. Things like regrets about decisions that we've made or things that we've said. Or maybe there's mistakes that come back here in the past that keep coming up or that keep wanting to drag us back into them. Maybe there's disappointments about opportunities that we missed or things that that happened. But Paul reminds us that all those things in the past are dealt with in the gospel. When we believe that Jesus died and rose again, when we put our trust in him, those things that are in the past, they've been dealt with. And so we can leave them in the past. We can forget what is behind when we focus on them, when we look back, it's not the gospel that we're believing. Rather, it's the lies of the devil that we're believing. The lie of the devil who wants to tell you that you're not worth running in this race. That those things, your regrets and your mistakes, that they actually prohibit you from running in the race. When we focus on those things that are in the past, we fail to trust Jesus and acknowledge the truth of the gospel. Don't let your past distract you from your future and don't let your past steal your prize. Paul urges us to have eyes on the prize which God has called us to heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what is this heavenward calling? The word simply means upward. It's a resurrection word and I think in context that's how best to understand it. And we'll come back to this in a little while. But eyes on the prize endows us with power but also establishes our priorities. Have a look at verse 15 to 19. Paul describes pressing on with eyes on the prize as a view that all who are mature should take. Now, Maturity, as Paul talks about it here, isn't having it all together. Maturity as a believer in Christ isn't being perfect. Far from it, in fact. What Paul is saying maturity is, is knowing that you don't have it all together. Knowing that you're not perfect. Knowing that there's more work to be done in your life, but pressing on anyway. That's maturity. Pressing on in the way of the cross and resurrection pressing on through all sorts of suffering with your eyes on the prize, that is Christian maturity. And if you're looking 
for people in life to emulate, to look up to as you run the Christian race? Don't look for the ones that look like they've got it all together. Look for the ones who are humbly walking the way of the cross with their eyes fixed on the prize. They're the people that are worth following. Well, this mature approach also enables us to deal with differences. By pressing on with eyes on the prize, Paul is confident that God will make, our, make clear our differences. Now, I actually find this verse a bit frustrating. It's like Paul just drops it in there and then steps away from it and doesn't like explain to us how that actually takes place. Like, how is it, Paul, that God will make clear our differences? Don't ask that in Q&R because I'll be like, I don't know, I want to ask Paul that question too. But here's a thought, right? Perhaps it is that the more we count on Christ, like we were talking about last week, and the more we have our eyes on the prize, the more focused we are on Jesus, then the more those differences start taking care of themselves. They become secondary or third. They just settle. Rather than being elevated, they're de-escalated. And maybe that's what what happens here is our eyes are on the prize. So are our eyes on the prize when we differ? If you think about differences you've had with other members of this congregation or in your community group or whatever, are your eyes on the prize when you differ? Do we value the machinations of church politics or do we value the majesty of a church in prayer when we find ourselves in difference? See, decisions are always going to be made in church life, in any church life, that not everyone agrees with. That's the nature of having a group of humans together. But when we have eyes on the prize, we resist bitterness, we can resist gossip and we can avoid a passive-aggressive posture. Partly our problem in this is that we live in a world that tells us to deal with differences very differently. The consumer-driven, hyper-consumer-driven world that we're a part of tells us actually that the prize is us. The prize is getting my way. The prize is being part of a community that's just like me, that reflects me. And if I don't get my prize, then I'll just go somewhere else and get my prize in another place. Our prize is not ourselves. Our prize is not ourselves. It's not getting what we want. Our prize is the resurrected life that we have in Jesus. A life of complexity and suffering until the day when we're all resurrected with him. It's the life that we've already attained in one sense and a life that we press on toward. But Paul pauses and recognises that actually not everyone lives this way. Not everyone lives with eyes on the prize. Some live for themselves. Their prize is attaining their desires, or building their status, or accumulating their stuff. And Paul makes it really clear that such a life is not neutral. There is no neutral way to go about life, according to Paul. Paul says to live that way is to live as an enemy 
of the cross with a destiny of destruction rather than the prize of resurrection. And as Paul talks about this, it brings him to tears because he's thinking, I suspect, about real people that he knows that are living as enemies of the cross. And so it's worth us just asking ourselves, how do we feel about those who we know who are living as enemies of the cross? Does our heart break for them? Do we long that they might know Jesus, that they might know what it's like to have Jesus take hold of them? Paul moves on from this idea and actually encourages us that pressing on in our life is all about bringing this hope, the hope of heaven, he'll go on to say, uh, or me paraphrasing it, the hope of heaven into the world that we live in. He says, our citizenship is not of this world. It's in heaven. And it enables us to persevere. Having eyes on the prize means eagerly awaiting a saviour from heaven who will transform us. And it's important that we understand what is and what isn't being said here. And to do that, we need to put ourselves in the context of the Philippian church, of the people at Philippi. And you may remember from week one of this series, if you were here, that Philippi is a Roman colony. So whether or not you like colonisation, just bear with me here, right? The job of the Roman citizen who was sent to Philippi wasn't to go to Philippi and long to go back to Rome. The job of the Roman citizen sent to Philippi was to bring Roman culture to Philippi to make it a Roman outpost. And that's exactly what was happening in Philippi. One example of that is that of emperor worship. So that people in Philippi were starting to chant with the Romans, Caesar is Lord. And they were starting to worship him. Now, if the emperor, who in those times was also often referred to as the saviour, was coming to Philippi, You wouldn't eagerly await him by expecting a free ride back to Rome. That's not your job. Rather, to eagerly await the Saviour from there would be to await him bringing more of Rome to Philippi. So what I'm saying for us is this. Our vocation as Christians, as we eagerly await a Saviour from heaven, is to bring heaven's hope to the world around us, to the world that we find ourselves in. And sometimes this kind of surprises us. We're like, oh, is that, is that my job? To bring the hope of heaven, the culture of heaven, if you would, to the world around us? But perhaps it shouldn't surprise us because this is exactly how Jesus taught us to pray when he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We persevere even when we're resisted by those who want some other way. We persevere in bringing the hope of heaven into the world because we know that our Saviour Jesus will return and when he does return, he'll bring the fullness of that hope 
and make all things new and all things right. As we've tried to think about this here at St Matt, some of our language for this has been about being a visible and felt presence of good news. How can we show this hope of heaven to the world around us by being a visible and felt presence? How can we be citizens of heaven in every place God puts us? Whether that be in the schoolyard or in your family or in your university or in your workplace or whether it be in your sports team, wherever it is, how can we be citizens of heaven? How can we be that visible and felt presence of good news? How can we be bringing the fullness of the good news of Christ crucified and resurrected and his reign in the world, how can we be bringing that in word and deed to people around us? And that's the heart of the Rough Edges uh, ministry that we saw on that Thanksgiving Day video, that they're wanting to bring the good news of Jesus in word and deed to people around them, the hope of heaven into that place. And I trust it's our heart It's our heart as we engage with our family and friends, as we seek to live out our purpose of engaging the world with grace and truth. See, eagerly awaiting a saviour from heaven isn't saying, I've got my ticket to heaven and I'm just going to sit back and wait and look forward to that day. Eagerly awaiting a saviour from heaven is saying, Christ has taken hold of me. Christ has suffered and resurrected for me and I will live the life of suffering and resurrection. I will live the resurrected life now and I look forward to living the resurrected life in eternity. And along the way, we will seek to bring little bits of hope, of the hope of heaven into the places that we find ourselves. That's what it means to eagerly await a saviour from there. So where are your eyes fixed? Are they fixed on yourself? Are they fixed on the world around us? Or are they fixed on the prize, the prize of resurrection, of eternal transformation? Where are they fixed? So often we fix our eyes on the fries, maybe not the Macca's ones because that's not all that healthy. But we fix our eyes on the things of this world that are tasty, that are delightful or that are just cold and stale. Seriously, think about the things we fix our eyes on. Sometimes they are cold and stale. But we fix our eyes on the things of this world. When our eyes are on the fries, we risk living as enemies of the cross. We risk not living the resurrected life. We risk living for ourselves as citizens of this world rather than citizens of heaven. But if we live with our eyes on the prize, we're endowed with power because Jesus has got us. Our priorities are established and we know how to work with difference and we're enabled to persevere, to press on to the end. Keep your eyes on the prize. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the prize of resurrection. 
for the prize that we have now because you've called us, you've taken hold of us and given us this life and for the prize which one day will come. And Father, we pray that you strengthen us by your spirit that we might press on toward that goal, that we might win the prize that you have set before us. And as we do, may you also give us eyes for those around us who live as enemies of the cross. May you stir our hearts for them that we might bring the hope of heaven into this world that they too might see the prize and live for the prize of knowing Jesus and being resurrected in him. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.